Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Concerning Him podcast. We're welcomed once again. Once again. Joel Carter. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. I'm, I'm very thankful to have you on. We've This is your third time now, isn't it? That's right. I'm thankful. You know, you know, Eric, I won best hair in the Emmaus yearbook because, <laughs> because uh, they used a photo of me doing a podcast and apparently these lights do wonders for my, for my head. I think there's some sarcasm yeah, involved. I think there might have been you. a little sarcasm no, with that reward. You. It's the only award I've won in <laughs> my career, so... Um, the first podcast we did with you, that was, uh, that was on, on busyness, right? Right. And so if people want to learn more about you, we kind of spent a little bit of time there, did a bit of intro on your mm-hmm. backstory, your time at Emmaus, where you went for your master's, what you did before you came back to teach at Emmaus, all that sure. type of stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, we don't, we won't get into that today. So if you want to listen to that, and then we also, we had you on, we talked about, uh, learning styles, learning which, styles, which was a fun yeah f- fun conversation um so check that one out yeah those are really good but today Learning styles yeah yeah <laughs> today i'm really excited um you sent me an email a couple weeks ago and proposed the idea of talking about christians in their role in teaching in the public schools yeah and um Something you were very opinionated on, I learned sure. just the other day as we chatted in your office about this topic. Yeah, like so many things. <laughs> it's good. I we, we love opinionated on the podcast. It's great. Thank you, <laughs> nice, Joel. Nice, nice. Um, so I'm really excited to talk that to you about that today because there's there's been a lot of conversation, especially over the last couple of years, amongst Christians about public schools. Yeah. Right? There's been a rise of homeschooling. There's been a rise of people going to Christian private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, a, probably a decrease of, of Christian students in the public schools. That being said, there's also been a lot of people that have held strong and really made a, a case for having Christians in public schools. Um, and that's not the co- the topic of our conversation, but it definitely feels related to that in yeah. uh, the educators. Um, because with this whole conversation, <laughs> there's been a lot, of, a lot of people talking about what is being taught yeah. right, in the public schools. Sure. And so to me, it seems like this is a little bit about what, why, why you have this drive or this push for Christians to be educators in public schools. Right. Yeah. So you're right. The, the issue of what Christian parents should do with their kids' education and, and what resources they should use for that public, private, homeschool um, is not really what we're talking about here, although there's some overlap. Yeah. There's some overlap. But yeah, more broadly, how the relationship Christians should have with public education. And I think I think it's good, and I'm passionate about Christians considering engaging with public education by becoming public educators. Yeah, yeah. So you told me the other day that Emmaus, at least in the state of Iowa, <clears throat> yeah, sure. we're, we're the only Christian college that's educating uh teachers to teach the public school is that correct um so let me refine it a little yes, bit yes please so i don't know there's 30 something uh teacher prep programs in iowa meaning 
departments of teacher education at colleges that are accredited to license public school teachers yep. approved by the department, the state department of ed. Just like we are. Correct. Yep. Which we are now of those 30 schools. I, I think like 25 of them are religious schools, okay. private colleges, religious <laughs> colleges. Um, how many colleges are there like Emmaus in that we are committed to uncompromised biblical teaching, um, committed to Bible as a key part of our curriculum at mm -hmm. Emmaus. You have to be, you have to get a bachelor's degree in biblical studies um, and also prepare public school teachers. So I, I know there's one other college that fits that bill, but that college has as it's, that college's teacher prep program is more geared towards preparing Christian school teachers mm. than public school teachers. So their graduates can be public school teachers, just to clarify. Mm -hmm. But it says, and you can look this up in their mission statement. The mission statement of their teacher and department is to prepare Christian school teachers. So, okay. so our our mission, Emmaus's mission, is to educate and equip learners to impact the world for Christ in ministries, vocations, churches. Um, so... The teacher ed department, we prepare teachers to do that. Yep. We prepare teachers that end up going both places. Um, so we do not explicitly say we're here to train public school teachers only. Mm -hmm. um, but it has become, as public education has become what it is, it's kind of become something we're a bit more proud of. We have four faculty members. Um, I know that three of us, myself included, have only public school teaching experience. So hmm. as teachers, we're born and bred in public, in this public school context. And I, I don't have exact numbers, but I know anecdotally, just from year over year, about two-thirds of our graduates become public school teachers. Mm -hmm. A third Christian school or maybe homeschool or or international school. but So a good number of our graduates become public school teachers. I think it's because, you know, their profs were public school teachers. We have a heart for it. We're equipped to prepare them for the unique challenges of public education as opposed to Christian education or, or uh, private school education. So um, I've just gotten more passionate about it, and I feel like it's something that we're proud to say we can offer to people. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Can you take a couple minutes and maybe explain, in your opinion, from your viewpoint, mm -hmm. what the state is currently of public school education and public school educators? Sure. Sure. So as you said, this would just be my opinion. Yes. I am. So I was a public school teacher until I came to Emmaus uh, three and a half years ago. Still spend a lot of time engaged in public school, certainly public schools in Dubuque. And in the region, because we have our students do clinicals and field studies and student teaching stuff in those schools. But also, probably more so than when I was a public school teacher, I was obviously in it, but had a much more narrow view that was my classroom. Um, now, I read much more broadly about public schools and public education as a whole. So in that sense, I feel like my perspective is is more, more educated. Mm -hmm. Um and my perspective is that public education is a, as I as I said before we started, Eric. I think it's a an an area of this is coming out jumbled, so you have to edit this for me. <laughs> but it's a high need area, meaning it's a profession that is in trouble. And I don't think I don't think I'd have to convince 
most of our listeners of that. So I'm not saying public education is is totally aflame and worthless. What I mean is when the general public now looks at public schools, public school teachers and public education, the view is more often than not negative mm. because of COVID, mm. because of what parents have seen, because of data, data about teachers fleeing not only their current position as a teacher, but the profession of teaching, uh, the challenges, curricular issues, um, you know, from CRT to gender ideology to school choice debates, voucher program debates, all that stuff has just made public education look like this troubled uh, profession. And I would agree with that assessment. Okay. I think unlike times, uh, unlike other periods of history, in America, public education is is struggling, shall we say? Um, you want me to get into the reasons for that, I Eric? Would, I want. Okay, yes, a please. few of the reasons. Yes, yeah, each of these is like a podcast <clears throat> on its own. I think, um, from my perspective, the main issue with public education, or the main thing that puts it in trouble, is ineffectiveness at educating. Hmm. Uh, which might surprise, which, which which is fascinating. Yes, which yes. is surprising. You're gonna say which might surprise people because I think most people, they're gonna hear most Christians. I should yeah. specify. Yep, conservative Christians are going to hear somebody being critical of public education, and probably the first place their mind is going to are the teachers promoting, um, like an LGBTQ plus yeah. agenda right and things now, like especially. that. Yeah. Right. And that the, yeah. the videos you see online of, mm-hmm. of what teachers are promoting in their classrooms and things mm-hmm. like that. And and that's probably where their mind's going to. So first, so it's interesting that that's the answer that you give first from the education perspective. Yes. Please explain why. Yeah. And this has been a problem for a long <laughs> time, I think, and is more so a problem today. I don't know if I'd say more so today than ever. That's probably too too overdramatic but that's what you're supposed to do pretty much more so yeah pretty much more so today supposed to be dramatic more than ever before (laughs) um public schools just by and large aren't doing a good job of teaching students teaching them to read teaching them what they need to know to be a successful human so we're not even talking um about being a christian or not we're just talking you know proverbial certain sorts of things will lead to a certain kind of life um, a life of folly or a life of wisdom, right? Yep. And this, and this, the way that God built the world to operate this way um, runs a certain way. And and if you know certain things, you know stuff, you're more likely to have a better life. These are just just statistics, easily verified. So public education, especially in the last 10 to 20 years, has adopted philosophies and ideologies of education and how to teach students that are largely ineffective. So uh, listen to the other podcasts on learning styles. That'd be a great example um, of something that, to put it simply, has not panned out. Mm. Um, Project-based learning, student-led learning, inquiry-based learning, collaborative 20th century skills, 21st century skills obsessed, Um, making students problem solvers and critical thinkers, all of that stuff as a package has, I would argue, been, uh, I tell students the P word, proven, is pretty much a a curse word when you talk about education because you can't really prove stuff. But I would say the evidence is largely 
unanimous that those teaching strategies are ineffective for student learning. Mm. So um, for those reasons, I think students are graduating high school and they don't really know how to read and write and speak effectively. Um, despite the fact that they've had countless projects on how to become a critical thinker, they're not really well equipped to think critically because mm. uh, they don't have any knowledge about various topics. And, and, and I think the research is clear that critical thinking is a what we call a domain-specific skill. In other words, you know a lot about something, you can think critically about it. You don't know a lot about it, you can't. Mm. Uh, you don't need to practice thinking critically. You need to get a bunch of knowledge. So that's, and that's a more, people would say traditional view of teaching, that it's the teacher's role to convey information to students, um, to build students' knowledge base so that they can become people who know how to think and who can read widely and, and who know, who know an adequate amount about a variety of subjects so they can engage in a variety of ways. So those students, we are not putting out anymore. Mm. Public education, by and large, I don't think is putting out anymore. And so these students go to college and they don't do well. These students get hired at jobs. They don't do well. Um, and that reflects poorly, I think, appropriately so, on, on public education. Now, I would say, as a caveat, uh, private schools, Christian schools, and homeschooling are not exempt from these, mm. from these issues okay. and, in fact, have other issues. I would argue that you just need to be aware of when you're considering these varieties of education. Like what? Just curious. Oh man. Well, I mean, if, if your kid's going to, um, well in homeschooling, for example, this is interesting because my wife was homeschooled all the way through. I was, I was Christians, half Christian school, half private school all the way through as a student. Um, we're homeschooling our, we just started homeschooling our five-year-old, but there are things, there are easy pitfalls to fall into uh, in these things. So with homeschooling, it's really, really intuitive to let the student lead the learning mm. when you're homeschooling. Uh, you follow stu your, your child's interests. And if they're successful at something, you tend to do a lot, a lot, a lot of that. And if something's uh, just a pain to teach them or get them through, it's going to be intuitive to not do those things. Mm -hmm. And what you might end up having is a student who knows every single thing about World War II, uh, but, you know, doesn't know how to do math. Yeah. That's the danger, the danger. So um, that would be an example yeah, of... That's a, and we don't have to dive into sure, that. But sure, sure. And there are some for Christian schools yeah, too. Same just, sorts of things. Just to say... Yeah, just, just curious about We're that. focusing on public education yes. now, not because it needs to be analyze more than the others mm -hmm. but just because i think these these problems are real most students in america are public educated yep. so in that sense the the positive or negative consequences of it are more vividly seen yeah yeah if i could interject yeah here i'm behind the camera this is nathan for those who <laughs> the voice see. the disembodied voice yeah <laughs> just uh, a thought of clarification and you back to talking about the ineffectiveness of public school teaching i would maybe clarify for our listeners that you're, you're not saying that public school teachers are not good teachers or that they aren't good at teaching their classes, but perhaps more like the theories or the, um, the lesson plans that are promoted by the system or that they're encouraged to work through 
are ineffective systems or ineffective theories. Is that yeah. fair? Great. Uh, well, so let me say yes and no, Okay, Nathan. Um, so here's, here's how I think it works. And I think this will end up answering those questions, Nathan. Um, certainly I wouldn't say you're a public school teacher. You're a bad teacher because you're a public school teacher. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. To become a public school teacher, you have to have a license to teach. How do you get a license to teach? Well, you have to go through an accredited teacher prep program, like Emmaus's program and like countless others. Those teacher prep programs are governed by standards and laws uh, that states impose upon them. So every seven years, the Department of Ed comes to Emmaus and they make sure we are training future teachers in a particular way. So there's this, there's this, there's this system, if you will, and while these laws and these way you have to these ways you have to teach, train teachers are not super specific. So in other words, we talked about learning styles. Well, there's no state law in Iowa that says you have to believe in learning styles and teach to learning styles. Mm -hmm. um, the laws are much more vague. They say you have to understand learner differences. Mm -hmm. Well, that could mean a variety of things. What has happened is that teacher prep programs have become incredibly homogenous programs, meaning there's no diversity of thought. There's very little diversity of thought about these things that I've brought up. So I think we talked about this on the yeah. previous podcast, Eric. There are certain things that you just do if you're a good teacher that cares about students. And if you don't believe these things or do these things, then you must not care about students. Mm. Like student-centered instruction. Sounds great. Right. And the way the world of teacher training works is such that while it might not be explicitly communicated, it's pretty much the case that you're taught to be a student centered teacher. And if you're not, well, don't you care about kids? Mm. I mean, if you care about kids, of course, you'd be student centered. Um, so I would argue that that's unhealthy and that that's an example of a philosophy. Yes, Nathan, that is that is. Um, put into future teachers without objection, right? So they're not trained that there are these two perspectives and we happen to think this one's right. They're just trained this one. If the other perspective is mentioned, it's kind of the bad way or the old school way to teach and you really shouldn't do that. So this has produced a bunch of teachers who teach I mean, you rarely see, for example, you rarely see a teacher in a public school standing in front of a class teaching mm. the class something, teaching them how to do something or teaching them knowledge that they need to know. And that's because teachers are trained to just facilitate learning, right? You're not the sage on the stage. You just kind of set students loose give them access to resources maybe, give them a little bit of guidance, and they'll just kind of naturally find their way. Um, why would you teach them knowledge when they can Google stuff? What you should be doing is giving them lessons on how to Google stuff. So you just say, We're not gonna, I'm not going to teach you these 50 necessary facts about World War I or about Hamlet or about how chemistry works, right? I'm just going to give you a project. And your assignment is to go learn about World War I, research World War I. And students go and they find a variety of different things depending on how good they are at researching. Really, it ends up being 
they find things dependent on the background knowledge they have to begin with Mm -hmm. and maybe help they get from parents, right? And so this leads to, this, this does not lead to student learning, I would argue. So are those teachers bad teachers, Nathan? I mean, I would say... I would say most teachers are victims of poor teacher training. And so... Because you were talking about even, you are saying these are teachers with a genuine love and care for absolutely, students. Who like absolutely. They're, they're not in the profession to make money. No. They're, they're in the profession because they love the idea of educating right. kids. Like any profession, there are some corrupt people, people in it for the wrong reasons, like any profession. But I don't think disproportionately so in education. Teacher effectiveness is disproportionately poor in education. But yeah, it's not because they don't care and it's not because they weren't successful in their teacher prep programs. I mean, they're getting A's in all these mm-hmm. courses on how to teach. But then classroom management, I mean, talk about a podcast waiting to happen. Why? This is why <laughs> teachers are leaving the profession. And this is why, too, Eric, Christian schools, this is why parents are, are removing their kids from public schools. I think it's some, it's a lot of, it is social issues, CRT, gender ideology, LGBTQ stuff is scaring even a lot of, um, a lot of non-Christian, non-religious people. But more so it's just that Johnny comes home and talks about what's going on in class and it's like chaos. Mm. It's like chaos. And you can imagine in the class that I just described where the teacher just says, here's your project, go do it. It would be chaos. It would be no. chaos. Or if it's not chaos, it's because they're letting the students be on their phones the whole time, which is a great babysitter, right? Yeah. Put your music in or let them look on their phones, and then they won't be causing chaos, but they won't be learning either. Um, so, yeah. I'm curious. You're talking about the homogenous nature of yes. these programs. Um, and you, you talked to me the other day about recently attending a conference or maybe a couple conferences. Yeah. You're talking about how there wasn't much. The things that they're promoting are not the things driven by the data is that correct correct? yeah and this is this is uh, this is widely known there's in the last 30 years cognitive science has come farther than the rest of human history combined okay about how the mind learns and how learning happens in the mind and how which should inform teaching but it hasn't um right now the crucible of this discussion is on is on how to teach reading in fact, there's a podcast right now I think I told you about that is is dropping, I don't know how many episodes there are, I think four or five have been dropped, called Sold a Story, um, which is which was done by this educational researcher. I think um, Emily Hanford is her name. Anyway, not a, not a Christian, not a Christian organization. She's just a researcher. And uh, it's chronicling how public education has adopted the wrong way to teach reading over the last 30, 40 years, and how it happened, and how there's this crazy divide between the world of education and teacher preparation and K-12 teachers and the science about how students learn. Um, there are a lot of resources, increasing amount of resources that are trying to bridge that gap. In fact, um, I always encourage, if, if you're listening and thinking, well, where do I and you're thinking, what Joel says sounds good and reasonable. Where should I start? Um, Daniel Willingham, great cognitive scientist who, who talks about education. His book, Why Don't Students Like School? If there were any one book I'd recommend you go read, it's that book. Mm. It's a good, popular level. It's not a how-to-teach manual. It's just, it's just there are seven or eight chapters on 
you know, why do students remember every word of, of every song in Taylor Swift's, Taylor Swift's album, but they don't remember the five things I want them to remember in class? And, and why, you know, just all mm -hmm. these things about school, because so much about teaching and learning is counterintuitive. I think this is another reason why false ideas of learning and teaching have caught on so well. Things that sound like they make sense don't actually make sense. Like you want to train kids to be good problem solvers, right? That's what we all want. So we want for our kids, we want them to be critical thinkers and problem solvers. How do you create critical thinkers and problem solvers? Well, public education's answer right now is practice problem solving. That's how you become a good problem solver. Give students problems to solve. And by practicing, they'll get really, really good at it. And then they'll be, they'll be good problem solvers. Well, the science is abundantly clear, as I said at the beginning, that that's not how it works. The way it works is you gain knowledge about something. And the more knowledge you have about something, the more you can think critically and solve problems related to that thing. So you have to memorize and you have to learn things. And I'm not talking about just, you know, when you say memorize, people have this visual of, you know, like the most painstaking, I don't know, sitting in front of a sheet and just staring at it until you've memorized it all. No, 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 no. Come do it. You want to be a teacher? Come to Emmaus. Spend four years with us, with me and with my colleagues, and we'll show you how to how to teach kids so they learn knowledge and information so that they have that knowledge and information and can deploy it in a variety of situations. So uh, to give you, if, if, I'm, if I'm rambling too long about this, you guys can just edit it out. But <laughs> here's one small research example. If you, um, oh, I'm, and you make sure I say this right, there's a famous study that came out, I think in 88, about reading. And it compared, quote-unquote, high-level readers, good readers, reading a passage about a topic they don't know much about. Okay. Okay? Good readers reading about something they know very little about. And bad readers, right, quote-unquote, bad readers, reading about a topic that they know a lot about. Mm -hmm. And guess what? <clears throat> the, quote-unquote, bad readers read perfectly fine, mm. read better, comprehended better the reading, not, so, so the point being, it's not about becoming a good reader or the skill of reading. It's about knowing stuff. And the more you know about something, the more you'll be able to engage with yeah. it as a thinker. So there's one, but it is counterintuitive. I mean, I'd be the first to say it doesn't feel like it would make sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing feels like it would make sense, but that's why you need to come to a good teacher prep program. So, so you can learn this stuff and be a good teacher. So I want to talk a little bit then about <clears throat> the you're talking about the homogeny right yeah and a lot of the so, similar so yes go ahead. what yeah. i just explained to yes, you please. you will not hear in hardly any teacher prep program anywhere okay it's it's and so i'm not saying it's wrong to have the other perspective every program is entitled to have their own perspective to present what they think is the best research you could have someone on who disagrees with me we could have a good profitable debate about it eric the point is there's no diversity mm-hmm so any teacher with a license, I, you know, I don't know if it's nine out of 10 or 19 out of 20 of, a, of licensed public educators have been taught to teach a particular way. I think it happens to be the wrong way to teach. And so we have the problem we now have. 
which is why I'm passionate about getting people yeah. here to become good public school teachers and go out and make a difference in this profession that needs good teachers so badly. So now I want to talk a little bit about the worldview aspect sure. of this, right? Because yeah. um, we have the what you're discussing, but then we also have this issue, which mo I think most people probably think about yes. when they're thinking about problems in public school with teachers, mm -hmm. is the the increasingly pushed secular worldview. Mm -hmm. um, you and I were discussing the other day, fascinatingly, um, you used to say that, okay, it, a lot of this depends on where you live. Yeah. Right? Sure. You know, if you live in a uh, town, farm town in the middle of nowhere, five, 10,000 people, um, you're going to have a whole lot less issues with those teachers yeah, than you would that in stuff. downtown uh -huh. New York. Right? Sure. Um, but what you're saying is because everybody's being educated at the same schools, even if you have somebody that grows up in this town in the middle of nowhere, they leave for four years and get educated and come back. The that that education is actually looking more and more similar to the education in the downtown big cities, right? Right. Um, so when we're considering this from the, the Christian worldview, and I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to get into discussing critical theory or gender mm -hmm. idea, ideology and all these other things, because there's a lot of baggage with all of those things. Sure. But when when you're thinking about this from the Christian perspective, how do we understand kind of the Christian's role within this bigger issue, if that makes sense? Sure, yeah. I think it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the issue certainly makes sense. I think I understand what, what you're asking too, Eric. Yeah, and so it's the same reason, right? And this is what we see about colleges in general. Uh, academia is fairly homogenous. Mm -hmm. uh, free speech on college campuses is an issue. Uh, people who have historically traditional orthodox religious beliefs, a place like Emmaus and others, are feeling the heat, so to speak. Um, so for that, for that same reason, college graduates, you know, from public universities, tend to have a certain tend to tend to think similarly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that is part of the reason why these worldview issues have gotten into schools too. Um, I think. So I guess yes to the problem to that being a problem too. Christ I'm and to, to me the Christian's role into it is just uh, what I what I'm arguing here, which is that if you're a, if you're a young Christian, a teenager in high school, and you're wanting to serve the Lord, you're wanting to reach people for Christ, um, and you're seeing all these opportunities. I think you should view the field of public education as a great opportunity for you to go into a place that has a dominating worldview that is not yours and make a difference, mm. be a light, be the salt of the earth um, in these in these contexts. Now, I caveat that, Eric, with by saying that at Emmaus, because we train public school teachers, we train you not to evangelize your students because it's illegal, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, And that's a good thing. That's a whole other podcast. But all that to say... That's part of our equipping, right? We, we explain, listen, you cannot pressure your students into believing what you believe. Nobody should be. No public school teacher should be leveraging their role as a teacher to persuade students to believe a certain thing. Um, and the fact that they are is, the, is one of the big problems. Yeah. That's what people see, right? Yep. Teachers are pressuring kids into believing certain things. And that's not good. So we talk about things like, what's the benefit of being a Christian teacher in a public school if you can't evangelize yes. people, yeah. right? Right. And so I would say 
great question. It's true that you cannot evangelize people in the way that we generally use that word. Now, people are always surprised to hear teachers are perfectly free to share their opinions and beliefs about stuff with their students. As long as they make clear, this is my personal belief, this is my personal opinion, and as long as there's no pressure to uh, for students to perform a certain way in any task to please the beliefs of the teacher, that's what you absolutely cannot do. But if a, if a student says, you know, Mr. Carter, what do you think about fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's crazy off topic and you're a good teacher, you shouldn't, <laughs> you, you maybe shouldn't entertain it. But, you know, a kid comes to you after school and they say, hey, Mr. Carter, I see that, um, you know, there's a Bible verse plaque on your desk, right? It's my desk. I can, I can put expressions, you know, mm -hmm. a, a teacher can put 15 po posters of the wrestling team all over their walls. I can put a plaque with a Bible verse on my desk. Kid asks, I say, well, here's why I have a Bible verse on my desk. It's because um, I follow Jesus and... Uh, Jesus is shown in the Bible, and I read the Bible. I think it's God's word, so I think it's important. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. Okay. It's not illegal, yeah. in other words, right? So people are surprised to hear that. But it's certainly true, and we, we try to train teachers, that your primary testimony as a public school teacher is being a good teacher. Mm. That's your primary um, role in the profession. I don't mean to say that should be your life's goal, right? My life's goal isn't to educate a bunch of students so that when they die and face the judgment of God, they can at least tell him that they're educated. No, 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 right? Because they need Christ. But in terms of your profession, like any Christian in any field, I would imagine, would say, part of me being a believer here and being the salt of the earth, making society taste better, so to speak, which is what salt does, means doing your job well. So come to Emmaus, we want to train you to do your job well, train you in what you can and cannot say, train you in what to do when your student says, you know, I know the roster says my name's Johnny, but I want you to know my name's Jane. Or um, what to do when your curriculum, um, your curriculum designer for the district says, we're getting rid of that curriculum and we're using this one. And this one includes a whole bunch of things that you feel like are counter reality and that you can't um, teach students or what to do um, when you go to a school, as, as has been experienced, where the administrators say, you need to call Johnny Jane, and you can't tell his parents about it, mm. right? All these cultural issues, we're excited about equipping you to handle those issues. And I think public education is not uh, a place that Christians should be retreating from as adults. We think of it so often in terms of where we're going to send our kids, yeah. right? So I would encourage you, Christian parents out there, you're raising kids. Maybe you're homeschooling them, private or giving them Christian education. That's great. Maybe you're public schooling them. Regardless, consider preparing them to be good teachers in the world because mm. um, it's a really, really worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, as, I can't even remember no, what no, your original really, question that's really was, helpful. As, as people are, for various reasons, vacating public schools, there's mm -hmm. this there's this gap opening up, and your, your argument is it should be Christians filling yeah, that gap. Yeah, let's step in. Yeah. Let's step in, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think that's fantastic. This has been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. This, I think so, too. This is really helpful. We solved all the problems. <laughs> case closed if we haven't we will in the next one right yeah yeah you bet you bet <laughs> no thank you very much joel for coming on today um i think i think it's an important aspect that people should be thinking about as far as you know 
17, 18 year olds, what do they want to do with their life? Parents, as far as how yeah. they're, they're shepherding their kids and what to do. Um, it's a really important mission field. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank Eric. You. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.